Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fantastic co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hi, Tara Lee. Hello. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Back again for another inspiring and insightful podcast. Yes, and this is a good one. I mean, they're all good ones, but this is a really, really good one. Yes, it is a really good one and a very important topic. And on this episode today, we have Kendall... Corso, who is the co-founder and chief operations officer at Backline, and Hallie Lincoln, who is a social worker, also one of the co-founders, and she leads up the head of case management at Backline. So Backline is an organization made up of mental health practitioners with experience in the music industry, which is so important. And they have made sure that their foundation is both clinically strong and ethically appropriate, which is something that they definitely talk about. And all of their team comes from different avenues of the music industry. Their approach is based on experience and a desire to build a sound clinical outlet for a community that so critically needs these services. So again, such an important conversation that we are having, and I just am so grateful to be able to highlight an organization like this that exists in our world. Yes, me too. And before we dive into the interview, I'm going to do a little exercise for your mental health. And so if this is available to you, of course, if you're driving, please keep your eyes open and your hands on the wheel. But if you are not, and this is available, put your hands on your heart and feel the beating under your palms and close your eyes and take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale out your mouth and inhale through your nose and exhale out your mouth. And inhale through your nose and exhale out your mouth. And may our time together be magical and super impactful. And so it is. And so it is. And techniques like this are something that musicians and people in the music industry can get from Backline as well. And so you'll learn all about that in this interview. Yeah. And just noticing how you feel after just taking a couple of mindful breaths. Like it can really be so impactful to our mental health. And, you know, I do this with patients all throughout the week. And one of the things that they mention is that they're able to drop into their bodies and out of their heads, which our heads can be kind of like a scary place sometimes. And the thoughts that we're having are not always positive and they can just be really distracting to us. And so any technique like that that helps us to kind of get out of all of those voices that are happening in our head can can be definitely beneficial to our mental health. Yeah, because goddess knows I got a lot of those. So this breathing mm-hmm. really, really helps me. Yes, absolutely. And we actually talk about how breath can be so impactful to our mental health and to our physiology, really, in this interview. Yeah. And so before we get to that, 
I know that you do a lot of amazing things that help people with their mental well-being and holistic health in general. So do you want to share with something that you're up to? Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love to do and I have done recently is to just share some of the mind-body techniques that I lead my patients through on a regular basis, and I like to share with my community as well. Uh, We just had uh, an episode recently with Haley Jane that we talked about intuition, and I have shared a mind-body technique that helps you to get just a little bit more in touch with your intuition. So Tara Lee had the Daily Jam, which is always awesome at the end of our, our podcast episodes, and then every other week... I send out a newsletter where I just kind of touch on some of the topics that we talk about in this podcast. And then oftentimes I'll also offer a video or a guided meditation or something that that helps you to experience that as well. So if you would like more to find out more about that or to receive any of those things, you can go to embodiedgroove.com and sign up for my newsletter. And I would love to be in touch with you and stay in touch in that way. Amazing. Everyone do that right now. And how about you, Tara Lee? What do you have to share? Yeah. So I have ADHD and have started a successful business. And so I help others that also have ADHD, a million genius ideas, so many talents, to figure out how to kind of take all of those and harness them into one amazing money-making offer. And then I offer the support to help you to see it through and do it for real. And so it's an amazing program. It's called Rocking Life Entrepreneur, and we are enrolling people in it right now. So if that interests you, I would say the best way is to go to my Instagram at Rocking Life with two underscores, and then just send me a message that says Rocking Life Entrepreneur, and I will get you all the information for that so you can join us on our next round. I'm super excited about that. And then I'm also leading a retreat in April in Costa Rica. So you can also Instagram me at rocking life two underscores and say Costa Rica and I'll hook you up with all the details. So that's a little gist of what I'm up to. Nice. All so important. So if you are aligned with either one of those and definitely check them out. Yes. And we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network. It's an amazing network. And you should check out all the podcasts because there's something for everyone who loves music. So check them out. Yep. OsirisPod.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcast. And please come and join our Facebook community at Groove Therapy Podcast Community on Facebook. Yes, and it would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to this podcast and shared with one person who maybe doesn't know of us yet and shared with them the podcast so we can get the word out and really help to spread the word of health and wellness and how it, how it is so connected and we can use music to make ourselves healthier and happier. Yes, because we're all doing that anyway. So why not talk about it and find ways to make it more intentional, maybe bring a little bit more consciousness to the experience so that not only we know how impactful it is, but also, you know, it's just like this podcast and destigmatizing or this episode and destigmatizing mental health. Like how can we destigmatize going to shows and making that part of our adult life? Because it's really important. And unfortunately, people don't really think that it's something that adults should be doing. 
Yeah, you'll you'll learn ways to talk to your non-live music fanatic friends and family so you can really express to them how important it is to you and why it is and Mm -hmm. why it's actually something that's really important for your health and wellness and well-being and your productivity and success in the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the interview with Kendall and Hallie. So we'll be right back. All right, and we are back here with Hallie and Kendall. Hello, ladies. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. I've been following your organization maybe even since like the first post that you put out that this was going to be a thing. So, and actually, who did one of you write that first post? Because I don't remember. It's been a couple of years. Okay, so Kendall, that was you. It was I. And there was a typo on the graphic. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's always the way. I didn't notice it. And I remember that first post and thinking this, I'm like, this is so amazing. I'm so happy this is existing in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> Nobody noticed <laughs> it. <right by> you. <laughs> it says health and wellness, but it should be mental health and wellness, which is a huge huge thing that we do. So yes, glad you got the point. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. It, it like just touched me. And of course, this was kind of spurred from Neil's passing. And not that he was a good friend of mine, but I definitely knew him and had hung out with him uh, in January during Circles Around the Sun tour in Colorado. And so it was like, yeah, it just was really touching and needed. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the inspiration behind Backline? And then I'd also love to hear because things have changed a lot since 2019. And there, I would imagine, has been a lot of need during the pandemic. So totally, if you can talk about maybe that evolution and how you guys have been meeting those needs and what you've just noticed are the needs from musicians and their families and other industry professionals during this time? Yeah, so Backline started really fast, really quickly in October of 2019 as a direct response to Neil Cassell and Jeff Austin's passings. And, you know, they're part of a list of people that have taken their lives over the years that have names within the music industry to really affect the community. And some friends and I, Hillary Gleason, Hallie, Stephen Grabowski from Dayglow, and Tor- Tori Pitarelli from Level, we started a, basically a series of phone calls, uh, these task force calls for music industry professionals to come together and ask the questions, what's going on here? What resources exist? What doesn't exist? How can we make the connection between the people who need help and the help that's out there. And what we found is that there's a lot of really great resources for this community out there, but there is a disconnect with how people were actually getting to them, finding out their eligibility status, making the phone calls themselves, actually carving out the time to 
focus on your mental health, which really only became a prevalent conversation in the music industry over the last five years or so. And only the last year has it become part of an implementation plan of going back to work. So we built Backline to originally just be a resource hub. We vetted and talked to many organizations that could help this community, the Music Cares, Sweet Relief, and some of the more regional local organizations that specialize in music industry professionals. And we put them on our website and we said, hey, here they are. And quickly we built a case management program to handhold this community through that process of saying, okay, you recognize you need help, get on the phone with someone like Hallie to really assess what your individual needs are, what your financial situation is, what you can really actually afford to do. Do you have healthcare right now? Do you not? And they are pointed in the right direction for the resources that meet their needs. So that's a really big part of it. This industry does not have a lot of healthcare options, nor do they have the people to really assess them. There's no HR department per se. So our case managers are really the ones listening through to the problems and finding the resources that work for these people specifically. Um, And on the wellness side of things, they can recommend different practices through our partnerships with apps like Wanderlust TV or Breathwork or Meditation Studio to give them resources that they can bring with them on the road. Um, So that's really where the organization started is identifying a disconnect between these resources and finding a way to handhold that process. Quickly, things changed in March 2020. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Day, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> the day the music died. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just to backtrack for a second, we built this organization for very specific reasons. This is a underserved community. They don't have the support that they need. They are living in really difficult circumstances if they're on the road, if they have long distance relationships, difficult to upkeep routines. Like these are just fundamentally difficult challenges to exist within and thrive. So trying to really raise that flag and say, hey, we might not be able to change the formula for you to thrive in this industry, but we can help support you in these different ways, recognizing that you're probably traveling right now. So in March, when everything canceled and shut down, within 24 hours, we built support groups. And Zach for our clinical advisor and Dr. Haim Newman, another clinical advisor, they quickly called me and they said, hey, we have an idea. We need to support this community right here, right now. Nobody knows what's going on, but we can kind of help point people in the right direction to find the help that they need. So with like immediately, we started hosting these support groups that still happen today. And Hallie's actually one of the support group leaders now. They're all led by clinicians and and she can kind of dive into that offering and why it's important. Yeah, as Kendall was saying, when we started this thing, everyone was out on the road, right? There was not much of a need for a space online that was easily accessible for people to, well, 
I don't, I want to say there's not, there was not much of a need, but there was lesser need just because, you know, touring was happening and the whole industry was thriving up until, you know, March of 2020 when things sort of took a, came to a standstill. And so truly that week, I believe there was like one day of reckoning sort of in the music industry. I think it was March 16th, I believe that's the right date where everything shut down and we had to, you know, quickly evolve into how can we respond to this and meet people where they are. And so as Kendall said, there was, um, there's been many, you know, mental health task force calls. And I think one happened right before we started the support groups and just wanted to put in an out offering where, you know, everyone was sitting in their homes. Everyone was anxious on a global level. I think, you know, it wasn't just the industry, but really needed, you know, a space to come together and be able to connect with people who are experiencing similar things as they were this, you know, fear and anxiety. And what am I going to do if I can't meet my bills? My touring has stopped, you know, no one knew what anything was going to look like. And so we tasked, like Kendall said, some of our favorite clinicians, those who specialize really in working with folks in the industry in general and their private practices and out on festival sites for many decades. And that was the first one that we started. Um, and that one has actually, that one ran for what, like 14, 15 months, every single week. They used to be actually twice a week at one point, And it was the same people every week would come back and people would filter in and out, but it really became such an amazing place for people to connect, get to know, you know, people from all different parts of the industry and have a place to not only there was, I know there was some networking that's happened, but also, you know, connect with folks who are experiencing this very unique struggle, which is, you know, what is my life? What is my identity? What, who, who am I even now as my entire career has been put on a standstill? And as Kendall mentioned, I could facilitate one that still runs on Wednesdays. And I work with my one of my very f- favorite colleagues, Christine Martinez, who is a counselor here in Boulder. And we co-facilitate a group once a week over Zoom. It's free, all led by you know licensed clinicians who really have a good amount of, amount of experience working with this demographic and specific population. So it's been lovely. It's definitely, I know we were talking about, you know, talking about some of the highlights of Backline, what are the things we enjoy the most. I will say the support groups for me are just so uplifting often. You know, there are things that are spoken about that are very, very difficult. People are really, really struggling. But just even to see people connect within the group and, you know, put out a helping hand. I'm a sound person and you're trying to finish, you know, editing your audio for your record that you've been desperately trying to get out for the last 16 months. Like, let's work together. It's been really beautiful to see. And I just adore so many of the people that come and it's become become like family. There's a level of relatability that was really important over the last year when I think a lot of people struggled being home for the first time and maybe hearing from their parents of why they don't have a safety net built after this career they've been dedicating their lives to and why they're in such danger. There's definitely a disconnect between people who don't work in the industry and, and people who do and were affected the ways that they were, financial insecurity, maybe going back to a roommate situation that they had only planned to be with a couple of days out of the month, and or even going home to their families for the first time in a long time. There was a lot of looking in the mirror and realizing that being on the road you know, kept you from some sort of reality that you now had to to live within. So having the group of people to say, kind of, you know, sharing your darkest secrets, if you will, and being understood on a level that you couldn't get even with your best friend 
is it was really important. Yeah, I was getting goosebumps as you guys were talking about that because I I work with chronic pain patients, but like the population, I could see similarities because it's like until you've gone through that, you don't really understand it. And it's the same level of like having everything stripped away from you and and not being able to do the thing that you love to do because most of them are on workers comp or from workers comp. And the groups are like so inspiring to me because this experience that is can be so isolating and can feel so lonely, like once they come together and they can just be with other people that understand what they're going through. And it's so much more powerful than working individually with somebody. So that's so awesome that you guys had already created the foundation of, you know, your organization. And then you were able to really meet the needs of, of your population. And in a way that I can only imagine was so beneficial and like how awesome for them to be able to have that option to attend those for free. For free. That's a big one because I think for folks that can't afford therapy, that accountability and I see the support groups as a form of talk therapy. You know, I would show up and I'd spill the beans and feel better afterwards. And actually the mayor's office of New York recently hired Backline to create support groups for the New York nightlife community who are really in it still, as everyone really is. But it's amazing to have been identified as such an important resource by the mayor's office to do something like that. And as you can imagine, New York stories are wild and (laughs) it's a good thing to be able to offer folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to elaborate on that. So this partnership with the the mayor's office of New York came together. It's called the Elevate Nightlife Initiative or Elevate Mental Health Partnership. And so the cool thing there is that, you know, we really recognize that in addition to serving, you know, traditional, quote unquote, traditional folks in the industry that we have been been offering our services to for, since our since our start, you know, anywhere from family members, crew, bus drivers, et cetera. We've expanded those offerings to, you know, bouncers, someone or, you know, security guards, someone who's a bartender at a venue, you know, the nightlife, when you think about like nightlife in New York and what those, who it encompasses, right? It really expands all the way out a little bit further than what we had been offering before. And it's been really cool because to be able to provide resources for people and in that specific community, just because they also in a very similar way to the music industry are struggling. And so it's been a wonderful partnership. And we have a specific support group for that with that partnership that runs on Tuesdays. And it's really for Mondays. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, And it really is for, you know, folks in the five boroughs. But I think that you know, people who maybe lived in New York, but aren't currently residing there given to, you know, displacement by the pandemic will tune in. And it's led by, again, one of our, we have a few, many wonderful clinicians. And I will say that Claudia Musin is really up there as one of the ones who is um, really, really special. And she facilitates that one. Um, And it's, yeah, a really good spot for all these different types of folks from just, again, like the nightlife industry more generally and the music industry to be able to come together. Yeah, I'm super curious because um, the services, a lot of them are free. Where does the funding come from? Grassroots fundraising. It's been difficult because when we launched, we were able to plug into our industry support in such an integrative way 
dollar per tickets on tours, merch cuts, you know, simple fundraisers when people had live events. It was just really easy to, to, for people to carve out something for a nonprofit, but that all diminished over the last however long it's been. And it's really come down to fan support. And of course, there are still bands that are able to find ways to support. And as they get back on the road, we're having more conversations about how they can include us because it's important to show support for one another and, and to keep this stuff going. It's really been grassroots, though. Uh, so a couple of grants from people like Positive Legacy. It's hard. Hillary Gleason, she's our executive director. She's a philanthropic consultor and she's kind of the brains behind how to be a nonprofit. And Justin Levy is on our board from Conscious Alliance. So he's able to guide how to do that kind of stuff too. But the rest of us, I worked in the music industry. Hallie's a clinician who who's lived around music her whole life. And it, it's nice to have a balance of, you know, we always say we're, we're built for the industry by the industry. It really has been a collective effort and the whole nonprofit angle. It's totally new for me and it's been challenging for sure, but it's, it's the only way that we could set up in a way that, that could really reach the masses in an impactful way. I would love to be able to give a percentage of the profits of my business to Backline. Um, I give them to accessible festivals right now because I believe in having live music more accessible to everyone. And it totally makes sense that I also then support the people that are responsible for making the music to have their mental health better. Um, so I want to talk to you more about that after. But how can people listening, like how can they also be able to support you and your mission with their money or energy or anything. Yeah. Thank you so much, Charlie. That's, that's yeah, really awesome. That's and it's nice. great to see small businesses. A lot of them have stepped up to show their support here and it comes down to the fans a lot. So as far as how you can support, since we are so new, you know, we, we would love to really get out there and diversify who we're getting our message to. And we have seasonal campaigns. Giving Tuesday is coming up. We'll do a big campaign around that. You can always donate at backline.care-donate. And it's fun when people get creative about it, though. If you do have a small business, tacking on a percentage of proceeds is a great way to raise awareness. We have holiday gift guides where We'll feature your product knowing that a percent comes back to us and we spread that link far and wide. And it's it's fun to get creative and how we can support each other for sure. So thank you. Everyone go yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And were you, were you going to jump in there, Leah? Well, I was just going to ask about your fundraiser set break, because um, I know that that's something that you guys oh, yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot of work to put together, I would imagine. Yeah, it was wild. Um, it was in April of 2021. It was one of the last big live streams before the sun rejoined our lives and people started mm -hmm. going outside and eventually concerts started coming back. But again, that was such a collective effort. Josh Knight, previously of Paradigm, now of Wasserman, he's the chairman of our board and he 
has been instrumental in making all the introductions to people who would want to support a cause like ours. And we were able to pay the artists that required payment. And we had amazing partnerships with some of our favorite venues, including the Nashville Brooklyn Bowl before it even opened to the public, mm. who allowed us to come in and, and utilize them for this mega day of live streams. We had almost 100 people contribute either as a performer or as a speaker. And it was a lot of work and it was fun to engage with a community like Twitch. And it was, it was really cool. I'm so glad that we did it. So Hallie, you are the head of case management. Is that correct? Can you tell us a little bit about, about that side of things at Backline? Absolutely. Yeah. So case management really was part of, you know, was really one of our most, um, it was the first sort of idea, but a programmatic idea that we had when we started Backline. So it's been around since the beginning, where some of the other things that we've talked about today have, you know, come with the times. But case management is timeless, in my <laughs> very unbiased opinion. <laughs> so the case management program essentially um, is set up in such a way that we have a portion on our website that's, um, you know, backline.care slash get help. And so on that page, there's a submission form that just basically asks for, you know, the sort of main ticker or markers of your demographic info. So first name, last name, where you're located, um, you know, what your position is in the industry and what essentially you're coming to backline looking for, what resources would be most helpful for you and what are you struggling with right now. And from there, once submitting the form, um, folks are sent a automatic reply that gives them a schedule to schedule a one-on-one 30 or so minute call um, with one of our case managers. And all of our case managers are um, clinicians of some sort. We have anywhere from, you know, counselors, traditionally, you know, licensed LPCs, um, licensed professional counselors to psychoanalysts. If we have one new case manager who's a psychoanalyst, which is really cool. But anyhow, so from there, they schedule a call with one of us and we basically just go through, you know, a non-invasive clinical assessment with them, basically looking for, I'll get to get a little bit of their backstory about what's been going on for you. What's bringing you here? Have you been in therapy before? If that's your ask and you're looking to be, um, you know, connected with a therapist, which I believe I pulled these numbers recently and it's about like 80% of people are looking, identify that they're looking for help finding a therapist. So we find out, you know, if they've had, if they have health insurance, if not, what can they be able, what are they able to pay out of pocket, et cetera? Do you tour? Are you open to telehealth? Um, Which I will say as a side note, you know, before the pandemic, I think that it was much more difficult to find clinicians who were able to offer telehealth. And then as you very well know, Leah, everyone, you know, was sort of forced in a way in the mental health field to provide that as an offering to be able to continue to show up for their clients once everything shut down. And it was the safest way to continue to offer services. So now in that way, it's been honestly a blessing for backline just because now we have a much more extensive list of um, clinicians who offer telehealth. And so that's been really helpful for people who, you know, maybe were displaced out of where they typically lived during the pandemic or now they're going back on the road and want to be able to connect with their therapist while they're touring, et cetera. So we then, you know, go through, like I said, that um, non-invasive clinical assessment and just uh, pretty much pull like the pieces that we would need in terms of being able to connect and best with someone in our network. And that brings me to our network. So 
our network is um our clinical network is built out we have about it's built out across the country in all 50 states and i think at this point we have about 200 clinicians who we have personally vetted gotten on the phone with each of them you know find out about their trainings their you know backgrounds in terms of how long they've been doing clinical work, um, what their connection is to the industry, if any, and just basically finding out, you know, whether or not we feel as though they align with our mission before we send out their information to our clients. So it's been really beautiful to see that and just so, so appreciated that so many clinicians have offered to really give back to this community in such a way that they're able to really slide down their traditional um, fees. You know, they'll offer either just like a set low cost backline rate or rate for backline clients rather, or offer sliding scale. And so, you know, many people in the industry do not have health insurance. And so that makes it difficult to be able to get, you know, it's a huge barrier to treatment of all types. Um, And mental health, I think, sort of lies at the bottom of that. And so having, you know, an affordable out-of-pocket cost is something that's been really, really wonderful to see that people are able to offer that. And so more people could get into therapy. So we then, you know, after the assessment with with the client, do a little bit of clinical consulting and go through our network and see who might be the best fit for them based on you know what they're looking to work on in therapy, whether or not they've been in therapy before and have experience. You know, some people are very specific. I would like to work with a CBT therapist. Some people have never done therapy before. And so we walk through with them a little bit about what to expect. And you know, I always recommend doing a consult call at the beginning because you just do a little bit of that front-loaded work, can uh, mitigate on the other end you having to restart the process because you are working with someone that you don't feel is the right fit for you. So we, you know, really do a little bit of the hand-holding process with them, which I think is one of the things that makes me most proud about Backline is because that's something that really isn't offered from a lot of other, you know, organizations that do similar work to ours. There isn't something like case management as far as I know anyways. So that's been... We've gotten just such amazing results from that. And, you know, people come back and say, you know, I've never been in therapy before. I was super resistant and working with a therapist who has a connection to the industry, who knows what it's like, is so important for me to be able to not have to spend many sessions explaining, you know, I work night hours. I'm essentially nocturnal. I struggle with my partner in terms of the attachment piece because I'm not around that person very often, et cetera, you know, substance use stuff. So all those things that we see so commonly in the industry, many of our clinicians are very savvy about what that looks like and have an understanding about it. So it's really um, been super helpful in that way to be able to connect folks with people who really get it. That background understanding is so key. It could take three, four sessions for a therapist to truly understand what a person does and why the exterior part of their lives are so impactful on them. And one of the number one things we heard when starting Backline was, yeah, I tried therapy, but they just didn't get it. And so that's been, I think that my biggest pride point too, Holly, is having this group of clinicians that maybe they were in a band in past life, or they're married to someone who is a touring professional or whatever the connection is. In Hallie's case, her brother is. So they have this intimate relationship with what it means to work in the business that gives people an instant connection and able to just go right into what they're working on and not have to give so much of the backstory. Yeah. If somebody's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
That so if somebody out there is like struggling and has never gone to therapy or even ever reached out to anyone before, what advice would you give them to make them feel a little bit more comfortable to be able to do that? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So something that I, um, well, I say this to most people and I think I, and I, and I say this every time I recognize my bias because I think that anyone and everyone can benefit from therapy and I totally get it that (laughs) as a therapist, but I love therapy and I am a therapist, right? And I'm in therapy and I think sort of normalizing it, right? Because some people come and I can tell they're a little bit, um, you know, maybe nervous about starting the process or they've had one bad experience with someone who, you know, I had this person, they weren't the right fit for me. It just felt really uncomfortable and forced or something. And they just have written off therapy altogether. I've heard that many, many times from people, someone, you know, coming back and saying, this is the first time I've considered this in a few decades because I had one really strange experience and I didn't think it was for me. But like I mentioned before, I really think that it's so important, whether or not you're coming through backline or any, or getting into therapy in any capacity. I think that asking for 10 or 15 minute consultation, getting on the phone with each of the clinicians, um, you know, that we, if we're able to send you two or three names, I say to everyone, you know, it's so important just to get on the phone with them, ask a few questions, you know, that you might have, they'll ask you a few questions to make sure that, you know, not, not every therapist is the right fit for every client. So, you know, we as therapists want to make sure that we are best able to meet their needs. Um, and don't want to overextend ourselves into, you know, clinical situations where we're not best best fit for them. And so I think having that two-way conversation and making sure that it seems like a good fit there is so important so that again you're not coming back later and not or, or rather you're just sort of ending the whole thing just because it didn't feel like you know the person was really going to be able to meet your needs or if you felt even comfortable with them. I mean I think, you know, I always go back to the research and I like am such a huge proponent for this myself that, you know, the biggest indicator of effective therapy is having a good relationship and a good rapport and alliance with your therapist. You know, their skills can sort of be at the very, very top of, or maybe somewhere in the middle. But if you have a connection with them and feel comfortable enough with them to be able to be vulnerable, because as Kendall said, therapy is hard, right? Like to be able to open up to someone, you have to have that piece where you're going to feel safe and comfortable to do so first. And so in a long-winded answer to your question, Terry, my biggest suggestion to people and advice is really to vet a little bit, right? Reach out to a few different people, see, and you can definitely get a sense, I think, from that 10 or 15 minute, even just phone call, whether or not you feel comfortable with that person, whether or not you feel like you vibe with them for lack of a clinical term. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me because I teach yoga and I I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and they're like, yeah, I tried yoga once and like I hated it. But it's like, okay, but not all teachers are Mm. created equal and you're not going to vibe. They could be the greatest teacher in the world, but it's not the kind of yoga that would help you. So it's kind of like trying a bunch. And so that sounds like it's the same way. You have to like find the person that is the fit for you. So that's really great advice. And um, I love that parallel. Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I have another curiosity because I know that you've definitely done some work in this area, but making these services like inclusive to all. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So 
we in when did that um, partnership I think start? In the beginning of 2020. I don't know. You tell us what partnership you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, acquiring minds once. So we partnered with an organization called the Black Mental Health Alliance to make sure that our services were being communicated in a way that the Black population would understand and adopt. And we recognize through our conversations with them that talking about therapy is different with that community than it is in other communities. There are different anxieties that surround mental health care in the Black community that we needed to face first and figure out how we could reach into those communities and make sure that they were getting the help that they need as part of the music industry. So the first thing that we did with them was a clinician training. Hallie, can you elaborate on that? So through months of conversations with the Black Mental Health Alliance, we thought really strongly about how we could better support the community. And so it started with these cultural competency trainings with clinicians that Hallie actually attended, where we invited the clinicians in our network to take this two-hour training with one of the guides from their organization on better understanding clients from that background. Yeah, it was a really, God, it was such a cool day and such a cool way to see, you know, this partnership actually come to life. So as Kendall mentioned, we put together an actual training um, with one of the clinicians who works most closely with the Black Mental Health Alliance. And he, I believe is a, I know he's a licensed counselor. I'm not sure exactly what his his training is. Um, But he, you know, started from just going through just some of the history, right, of the Black community in the, the world of music and what that looks like going back, you know, decades and maybe even centuries and how things have progressed and evolved and now what it looks like to be a person of color in um, the music industry and in the world, right? He really sort of did a specified sort of both things and pointed out both identity pieces in terms of how people show up. But there's a statistic that I know I will probably fudge a little bit here, but it's something like, you know, 85% of licensed clinicians are white females. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I see you shaking your head. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it is absolutely true. And, you know, there's a lot of pieces that go into that. And I won't even, you know, we won't get we won't get into that. But when people, as Kendall mentioned, in the black communities, it is going to therapy and getting mental health services is just something that's not as culturally present rather, or it's just not something that people grow up with. It's not modeled for them as much as it is in communities, white communities, essentially. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, obviously, and lack of access to care, all those pieces. But when people do come to us and ask, go through the case management program and are looking for a therapist, they often say, and with very good reason, I would really like to work with a clinician who, you know, a clinician of color and someone who has a similar background to, to, to me in some ways and looks like me and really understand what's it, what it means to be a Black person in America. And that's so important in terms of the therapeutic alliance and then also just the efficacy of what the work will look like to have someone who has that perspective and understanding. And so something that we're always trying to do in this partnership with the Black Mental Health Alliance has been such a huge win for us in that way is expand our network of clinicians to include all different ethnic and racial backgrounds in terms of the clinicians. So the Black Mental Health Alliance has a 
similar sort of program to ours where they connect folks with therapists. It's not as much of the hand-holding piece, but people come to us, go through the case management program, and then we connect them with the Black Mental Health Alliance. They're able to connect our clients with therapists within their communities nationwide, which has been really, really amazing and so helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to be offering that training to other organizations within the music industry in the next couple of months so that that cultural competency piece is available for anyone who really wants to take it. It's obviously, it doesn't just start and end with the Black community, and we plan to, in the next year, create partnerships with the Latinx community. We have partnerships with Amplify Her Voice and She Is The Music and other organizations who can help make sure that our rhetoric is available and you know representative of the many communities that exist within the music industry. Yeah. You ladies are doing incredible work. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm curious. Like, have you guys noticed, and this might be our last question, but it might, I would love to know, have you noticed a, like a difference in people's just talking about mental health in the last couple of years? I feel like on the surface, it seems like more people are talking about mental health. I know you talked about, Hallie, the importance of normalizing it. Do you see that within like within your work that that's actually happening or what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. You know, and, and if not, like, how can we do more of of that? Yeah, I really do. And that feels so good to say, right. That like, that's, that's the truth. As I mentioned, some people come to case management and they say right off the bat, you know, I don't really know, feel a little anxious about having this conversation. I don't really know what I'm looking for, but I am so confident in our team of case managers that all of them are just such wonderful clinicians, really just meet people where they're at and make them feel comfortable enough to, like I keep going back to the hand-holding piece, sort of hold their hands gently and softly throughout that case management call to walk them through some of what it looks like. And then also, I think in that process, right, really start to normalize, it's okay to not be okay right now. And it's okay to be reaching out for help. And I will say in the support groups as well, I definitely see a difference, I think, in how people are talking about and acknowledging outwardly their struggles that they're you know facing right now. Something that was has been really cool and has been sort of highlighted in, in the group that I lead on Wednesdays is most of our um, attendees are males. And we talked about recently, like how wonderful it is that these males continue to come back every single week and they're very raw and vulnerable with one another and with us. And it's so beautiful to see that in terms of, you know, what the societal norms are, that's not typically the case. I will say that, you know, the industry in general is more of a male dominated industry. However, seeing these guys come back each week and just open up to one another and be brought to tears and really just connect with these other males in the group is just such a beautiful thing to see. And I think, you know, in general as well, it there's more of a sort of stigma around men asking for mental health care as well. It's just less normalized. And so, yeah, especially in the groups, I've really seen that. Um, it's been so cool to see. And why, while Hallie is, you know, really dealing with the individuals, I deal with a lot of the group organizations. And it's been amazing to have 
the Sony's and the Apple's and the Spotify's call us and say, hey, can you come share your resources with our team? Or how can we better integrate mental health conversation into our workplace and really, really positive conversations happening. And we received a large grant from Sony to help expand our services. I think it's really happening there. And even on the corporate level, Vivo is another huge supporter of ours. And it's great to to be able to have those relationships to spread the message and, and know that their HR person is going to spread the message amongst their community. Because if you think about it, whatever their benefits programs are, they can just tack on backline as something that's free for anyone. And one thing that I didn't really touch on, but I will just as a good closer, we've created amazing partnerships with these wellness apps. Another great gift of the last year was the ability for people to try new things and things like yoga and meditation and breath work might not have been possible for the production manager on the road two years ago, but he's had some time to realize that taking time to to go inward or to take care of yourself has its deep benefits. And some of these practices, which Tara Lee, I know you know, they can have instantaneous effects. Breathwork can bring you out of a panic attack. There's There are tools that are available within you that if you learn how to use them uh, Mm -hmm. could really save you in what we see as a very stressful situation of going back to work. So we have partnerships with 10 different brands and apps that are on our website where they get free annual subscriptions or heavy discounts or whatever it is to, again, break down that barrier between this community and their access to care. So highly recommend it because it's awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up, Kendall, because I will say, you know, something that we didn't or I didn't mention we were talking about case management is that is some of the reason that people come seeking our services in terms of case management is because we do, you know, not everyone's coming for specifically mental health resources or being or to be connected with a therapist. We have a pretty amazing and well pelled out network of, you know, body workers, nutritionists, yogis, people who are let's see what else, audiologists, you know, folks who want to do, who can do one-on-one work with people who are struggling to better their entire health and well, uh, you know, the entirety of their health and wellness, um, not just mental health, but physical as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up, Kendall, because that is definitely something that we are able to, you know, assess and, and refer to for case management as well. And it's all related. So Absolutely. once you work on one aspect, then it's going to help support the others. For sure. Yeah. That's great. And then people can go in whatever door they're most comfortable with, because, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody's going to walk through that mental health door. They might feel like, oh, I want to get healthier physically. And then they might start opening up to, oh, wow, maybe it actually could be helpful for me to talk to somebody about what's going on mentally and emotionally, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Our goal is really to make the, a variety of resources as easily accessible as possible so that people can try on different things and see what works for them. And with our programs, they really have the ability to try a lot of things at little to no cost. So it all starts with you making the decisions to help yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, any last words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Go on walks outside as often as possible. 
no matter where you are, because even if you don't <laughs> want to move and the couch is so cozy, it's just a whole new world out there that is so important. The vitamin D, the endorphins, seeing things out in the wild, whatever it's going to do, it's going to do good things. So try to get outside, even if it's just for 10 minutes, mm. go put your face in the sun. <laughs> yeah. I, love that. I have go for a walk on my to-do list every day and I have to check it off. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, uh, you know, in the winter in Vermont, my couch is like so cozy and my house is warm and I'm like, oh, but I always feel better when I go outside. So that is a great mm-hmm. piece of advice. It's medicine for sure. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Go for walks and <laughs> come see us at Backline. Come check out our website. You know, see us kind of... <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I, I want to say the thing that I want to leave people with is that again, just like I've really, this just sounds so cliche and I hear people say it, "Mm," but it's so true that, you know, it's really okay not to be okay. And right now after the last 20 or so months that we all have experienced in this world, that sometimes feels like it's entirely been turned on its head. We are here to support that for people. And I, again, totally recognize my bias, but I'm such a huge proponent for finding a therapist that feels like the right fit for you because man I don't know how I would have done it without my therapist I adore her and she makes such a big difference in my life and it's a tough world we're living in right now so we're here for people if you want to come check us out come talk to us yeah and so that is backline.care is that correct and so they can go on to request for services to donate to see how they can get involved all of the the things absolutely Hell, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing with everybody what you do because it's so important. And I'm sure that you've touched a bunch of our listeners' lives and they're going to be reaching out to you for support. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. All right. And we'll be right back. Right. And we are back. That was such an interesting interview. And really digging into a topic that is so important to open up to and to destigmatize and to just really have these important conversations about. Yeah, I agree. Because pretty much like everybody is struggling mm-hmm. and that like everybody needs help and support. And so the fact that there is an organization like Backline for people that are in the music industry in so many different ways have access to this is so incredible and so important and so needed. And and it's so normal to need that. Yeah. And I love the way that they talked about that because it's so true. Like, I need that. You need that. We all need that. Mm-hmm. We really do. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, it's right. That's right. And you know, I love that they're really making sure that their clinicians understand the touring lifestyle because it is so different. I mean, the live music lifestyle anyway is different, like coming from a fan perspective, which is what we talk about a lot. It's like, how do you merge those two sides of yourself? You know, that like live music lover side and then that whatever other side, whether it's a professional side or whatever, it's like, you know, there's a little bit of shame or whatever around can be around like totally expressing yourself as an avid live music fan. Well, for a musician or somebody working in the industry, like that is their career, that is their job. And it's just a different lifestyle. You know, they're working nights, they're not on a regular schedule, they're maybe not have the most healthy 
food choices while they're touring. You know, they're getting sporadic sleep. There's drugs and alcohol and like all of these things that if you went to kind of an in-the-box therapist would try to reduce those things. But it's like that's that's just part of of the lifestyle. You know, of course, the drug and alcohol use can be reduced. But as far as like going to bed at three and then having to wake up at six or seven for an interview on a radio station, like that's not really going to change. Yeah. Well, and most people aren't offered drugs and alcohol at their work. That's true. All the time, you know, like that's just like not a thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece about, I mean, I am not a musician, so I I can't say this from firsthand experience, but I've thought about it a lot and, you know, I've, I've seen it reflected and whether it's like documentaries or things like that, it's like the live experience is so like really high and buzzing and it like activates all these emotions and it's just like such an activating experience and to go from that from like being on stage like turning on thousands of people to then like back to maybe a room while you're alone by yourself like that that's such a different experience and I think that that that's when these drugs and alcohol is ways to like either turn off that activation or to numb that activation or to numb the feelings that come up when the person is then alone. Like that's, it makes sense why people are using. Yeah, absolutely. And to even like have everything activated and you're like on tour and then your tour is over and then you're home or a pandemic comes and you can't tour at all. Yeah. Like what that must be for all of your systems and your body of like being used to one way. And then it's just, it's like a roller coaster on a daily basis, but then the roller coaster just stops. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. (laughs) What do you do then? Exactly. And that's why like, it was so great to hear about how backline already had, you know, everything put into place to really be there for the live music professionals when they really needed it. And to be able to have that opportunity to come together and support groups on a weekly basis for free, like that's awesome. And to have access to mental health clinicians and professionals, that was really great. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to share some statistics for the... Did you know... So Backline has a lot of great statistics on their website, and I definitely encourage listeners to go and check that out. So that's backline.care. But I also want to highlight a a separate organization that we didn't talk about in the interview, and that is Tour Health Initiative. And you can find them at tourhealth.org. And they have some really great statistics about health and mental health among live music touring professionals. And some things that they have found is that 83% of touring professionals reported feeling overworked and some degree of burnout. There's 27% reported suffering from clinical levels of anxiety and 34% reported suffering from clinical levels of depression. 26% of touring professionals reported serious suicidal ideation. So ideation is just like thinking about suicide, either a previous suicide attempt 
or considering suicide within the past year and formulating a plan for how to do it. So once a person goes from thinking about it to a plan, that's really getting more serious. And that is 6.5% higher than the regular population. So that's huge. And those are just like the need is there so much. But also another one of their statistics says that in the previous 12 months, 8% of all touring professionals reported attending weekly therapy and 73% reported attending no therapy sessions at all. So I'm going to assume <laughs> that the leftover 19% may, may have fallen somewhere in the middle of that. So maybe they didn't go to weekly therapy, but maybe they had like one session or a couple of sessions. But that just goes to show the need. And I think that's why Backline as an organization is so important because they really offer that like bridge. It's like you can go to their website and request services and they help to hold your hand in how to access those services, which is so important because there's so many barriers to finding services and Backline is really helping to navigate and to break those barriers down to get people the help that they need, which obviously those other statistics are showing the need is very great. Yes, those are pretty disturbing statistics on how much like being a live music professional is so hard. And that's why it's so great that Backline is is here. And so um, for my section. Daily Jam. Let's throw appreciation for people that are in the music industry. And so I'm talking about everyone. So I want you to perform a random act of kindness for somebody in the music industry from the box office person to the lighting designer to the guitarist on stage. There are so many things and so many jobs and moving parts that have to happen. Tour managers, um, booking agents for music to happen. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for each and every person. And so to show your appreciation, I want you to commit a random act of kindness for one of them. And it can be that if you're seeing them in person, maybe you write them a note just letting them know how much you love them. Give them a gift card so they can buy themselves a cup of coffee. Maybe find out what their Venmo is and send them a Venmo and say, use this to buy yourself something because you deserve it. And I'm so grateful for you. And if it feels appropriate, mention backline to them. So maybe they didn't know that they're maybe they're struggling. And even though they maybe put on a smiley face for you, so you don't know that they're struggling, but maybe they are. And by letting them know that backline exists, you may be saving a life. Um, so if it feels appropriate, share backline with them and do a random act of kindness and then head on over to the Groove Therapy podcast community on Facebook and let us know what you did. You'll find a post where you can share. Yeah. And your random act of kindness will spur other random acts of kindness. And, you know, we all know that we get so much from live music and it's important to share that appreciation so that, you know, they can know that just what an impact they're having on us. And it's so easy. It only takes a couple minutes, but it means so much. That's right. That's right. 
Well, thank you, Tara Lee, and thank you to Hallie and Kendall for coming on and being guests and all of the amazing people that are working at Backline. It is not just the two of them. There's so many other people that are doing amazing work. So definitely check out their website, backline.care. Donate if you are able to or spread the word to anybody who might need their services. Yes. And we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and we're so grateful to be a part. And there's so many amazing podcasts, so check all of them out when you get a chance. Yeah, OsirisPod.com. And also, if you could follow us on any of the places that you get your podcast, Apple Pod, you could leave a review or a rating. That would be super awesome. Also, follow us on Spotify, wherever it might be. There's so many different podcast platforms now that people are are finding us and other podcasts, but that allows other people to know that, hey, this is a podcast that is interesting. And then it helps kind of the algorithms or whatever to to show that this is an interesting podcast. So then they'll show it to other people too. Yeah, it means a lot to us. And also just to get the word out more, you know, we're the only live music, health and wellness focused podcast out there um, that I know of. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's true. And so if you want to send a message that this is something that's important, share with everyone you know, so that information and inspiration can be spread far and wide. Yes, please do. And also follow us on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcast and join our Facebook group, Groove Therapy Podcast Community, which is where you can share your act of kindness. Yay. All right. Well, we love you so much and we hope you have the best day ever. Yes. Take care, everybody. Until next time. Bye. Love you. Bye.